G'day and welcome to this very special 18-week podcast series, Ministry Memories, in honor of our 18th anniversary this year at Bayside Church. We've gone through the old archives and had a look at some of the fantastic guest speakers and ministers that we've had the privilege of hosting here in our pulpit over the years. We thought it'd be a great idea to revisit and remind and refresh our memory on some of the timeless truths that those ministries have brought through. Enjoy. Always a delight to be back here in this house. I said um, at a meeting on Friday night, we were up with with Martin and uh, Carrie Ann at Impact, and I said, "There's three churches that that just have such a dear place in our heart, where we feel such a rich heart connection. And one of them is Bayside, you guys, with Chad and Jay. One is Impact with Martin and Carrie Ann, and the other one's Rob and Glenda with City Church International in Hong Kong." And I don't know what it is about it, but those three churches, together with our wonderful church, um, Freedom Life, there's just something. We, we, we are separated geographically, but we are so linked in heart and in spirit. There is such, I feel there's such a, a partnership amongst the four of us, and, there, and there's going to be more, that's going to impact not just a small local region, but it's going to impact nations. And you are part of that. And that to me is something that's very, very exciting. And sometimes we can lose sight of that. Sometimes we can lose sight of that. Sometimes we think it's just us in our little, small, little area. But folk, I want to tell you, it is something far, far, far bigger than that. I want you to turn in your Bibles to, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And um, I'm going to try and be good this morning and try and stick to what I feel I need to say. <laughs> and, and for anyone who knows me, that's almost impossible. <laughs> I can do it. Where's Leanne? Alex and Leanne, I, I just feel for you guys, God's going to take you to a whole new level. Uh, in fact, I had a dream the other night. I had it two nights in a, in a row. And, and I saw one of those tiny little jeweler's screwdrivers that you have. And God took it and he put it in your ear, Leanne. <laughs> it's not a very smart thing to do. But, <laughs> but he put it in your ear and, and I heard the slightest, faintest little click. It was the slightest adjustment that was being made. But in that adjustment, it caused you to be able to hear in a way that you've never, ever heard before. And it took you to a whole nother level. You're an amazing administrator, but you haven't seen nothing yet. And and here's the weird, the the, the part that was a little bit weird, because the screwdriver went through your head, (laughs) out your other ear, and then it went into the ear of your husband. And the same adjustment was made. And uh, Alex, you're going to hear a sound from heaven that actually hasn't been heard in this place yet. And you're going to articulate that and you're going to amaze yourself at what's going to come out of your mouth. 
And I saw, and I saw a, and I saw a two-pronged, um, supernatural explosion. One was through your mouth in terms of ministry. One was with your business. And you're going to see your business actually prosper in a way that you haven't seen before. And you've had ups and downs, but God's going to take you on a steady up. All right, let me get let me get back to what. And let's say, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, and let's read here verse 15. says, He died for all, so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. If you could see your life stretched out on the timeline of eternity, the, the period of your life on this planet would be such a minute little dot, you could hardly see it. It's amazing how, how we live. People live and they, they work their little butts off for 50 or 60 years. Just so they can live three or four or five years at the end in luxury. It's not particularly logical in the light of eternity. For God has placed us on this planet to make a statement. And whether you understand it or not, Bayside is making a statement in this region. It's a declaration to the heavens about how great and wonderful our God is and his intention on this planet. But if we, we, we can easily lose sight of that and we can start looking at things only in the natural rather than continually having a spiritual and a supernatural understanding of what God has called us to. Yeah. And what it does is it changes the way you make decisions and it changes the way you even speak. And so when you, have, when you have God's perspective of something, you make decisions differently. Your diary looks different. The way you use your resources looks different. The way you see people looks different. And Paul's saying here there was a period of time where all we did was look at things in the natural. Even when we looked at Jesus, we only saw him in the natural. But something happened in our life that changed our perspective. And when our perspective changed, we saw things as they really are. Wow. How do you see Victor Harbour? How do you see this coastal area? Because God wants to change the way that we see things. He wants to change our perception. Come on. From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. And when we lose perspective of the value of people, we can discard them. Yeah. Rotten, dirty, filthy sinners. No hope. And we want to distance ourselves from them when God sees them as something totally different. Yeah. Good point. There was a time when all we could see around us was simply in the natural. We lived by sight rather than by faith. 
And when you start to walk by faith, I think it's verse 7, says that we had to walk by faith and not by sight. And when you start walking by faith, you find your language is different. You find your perception is different. You find what motivates your heart is totally different. And God wants us to walk by faith and not by sight. It's why Paul then goes on and he says, Therefore, we are new creations in Christ Jesus. The old has gone. The old way of thinking has gone. There's a new way of thinking. There's a new way of speaking. There's a new way of declaring the things of God. Who's ever made a New Year's resolution? <laughs> no one here? Yeah, this year I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to lose weight. This year I'm going to do more exercise. This year I'm going to do that. This year I'm going to read my Bible more. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to get more involved more. I'm going to be a better little Christian. Yeah. <laughs> and we all do it. And the problem is, though, at the end of the year, 95% of what we said we were going to do doesn't happen. <laughs> that can be very disappointing, very discouraging. We need to see things from God's perspective and consistently walk in that place of faith where we see what God intends, where we see how God sees you. How do you see yourself? Do you see yourself just in the natural? Or are you able to see yourself as God sees you? There's a statement being made by this church. But it starts with a statement about yourself. This church is making a confession to this region. But it starts with the way that you make a confession about yourself. When we, when we use that word confession in, in, in Christian circles, um, it conjures up a whole lot of different uh, uh, ideas and, and interpretations and meanings. And, and, the, you know, and for most people, when we use the word confession, we think it's me, it's me confessing my sin to God. If I was to use that word in most churches, the word confession, most times we would think, It's me confessing my sin to God. 35 times we see the word confession used in the Old Old Covenant, only twice in the New. That tells you something. Once in the book of James, it says, confess your sins one to another. And it's not talking about you blurting out everything you've done to someone. It's talking about actually putting right relational issues. When there's been angst, And when there's been disharmony, go to the person you have a problem with. Confess your sin. Put things right so that healing can come into that relationship. It's not talking about you confessing sin to God. And the second one is 1 John 1, 9. If you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you all your sin, cleanse you of all unrighteousness. That's not spoken to you. If you're a believer... It's an invitation to people who have not yet put their faith in Jesus to confess their sin, to confess their unbelief in him and and receive his forgiveness. It's not one verse in the new covenant that tells you to go and confess your sin ongoingly to God. So many people live under under the weight 
Man, if I don't keep confessing my sin to God, I'm going to be unforgiven. And if I die unforgiven, I'm in big trouble. Well, folks, that's not the message of the new covenant. There is power. That's what I want to speak a little bit about this morning. There is power in your confession. So I want to ask you, what are you confessing? What's coming out of your mouth? There's power in your tongue. There's power in your words. And we can speak in the natural or we can speak with eyes that are able to see into the spirit realm and see how God perceives things and begin to declare that. I want, to, I want to both encourage you, but I want to challenge you as a church this morning. Are you hearing God speak? Are you listening to the words of God over you as individuals and as a congregation? Here's a little test. How many of you would be able to come up and stand on this platform and actually articulate the last three major directional words that God gave this church. That's that's a challenge. Most of our understanding of confession has to do with sin. But the Bible's interpretation, when the, when the Bible speaks about confession under the new covenant, it's speaking about you confessing who you are, who God is, and what he is declaring. And when God speaks into a house, you living for eternity, seeing in the spirit realm, walking by faith, need to be a people who can then stand up and articulate what God has said. This is what he says, and we are echoing what he is declaring. Yeah. And that's the power in confession. It's an agreement with God. It's an agreement with what He has said. It's an agreement with who Jesus is and what He has done and what He has declared. God comes to Abraham and He says to him, Abraham, you're going to be a father of many nations. That was God's confession over Abraham. And what did Abraham do? Instead of echoing what God had declared, he says, ha, 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 ha. I'm too old. And my wife, she's really old. (laughs) He denied God's confession over him. And he started to make his own based on what he could see in the natural. Gideon in a little wine press crunching up grain to make flour to make bread just to stay alive sometimes we just go through life just trying to survive and an angel from God comes and speaks the word of God to him and says Gideon you're a mighty man of valor 
The nation is being surrounded by the Midianites who want to destroy you. But you, Gideon, are a mighty man who's going to lead your nation into victory. And Gideon said, and he goes, uh, I think you got the wrong Gideon. There's another Gideon. He lives about three k's down the road there. He, he's the guy who makes shields and spears and swords. I think that's the guy you're after. And the angel says, no, Gideon. I'm at the right address. I knew exactly where to come. You are the guy. And Gideon keeps going on. He says, uh, uh, no, but I'm so weak and I'm, I'm, it's, it's not me. And the angel wouldn't give up. No, you are the guy. And eventually he says, okay, well, well, but, but here's what I don't understand. If I am the guy, why is all these bad things happening around us? If we're the nation that you bless, why is all these bad things happening? God was making a confession over him because he could see who he really was. And Gideon couldn't see it and he kept making excuses all the, all the way along. Yeah. Jeremiah chapter 1. God goes to Jeremiah. And he says, you, Jeremiah, are going to be a prophet to the nations. You're going to be my mouthpiece. And Jeremiah says, no, I'm too, I'm too young. I'm a little pipsqueak. Same... Ooh. <laughs> say it again. Yeah, I say it again. And God says, Jeremiah, I knew you in your mother's womb before you were even born. I know the plans I have for you. You are the one. And we can so often discount ourselves and disqualify ourselves because we only look in the natural. And God is continually seeing who we really are. Folk, there are giants in this room. There are giants in this room. You need to rise up in the stature that you really are. Walk in the fullness and the power and the authority that God has given to you. Let your confession on this coast be the same as that which God is confessing about you. We get so afraid sometimes of the demonic realm. God has already declared who you are. They're more afraid of you than you should ever be afraid of them. we just got to rise up and walk with the authority that we have in God. Amen? Oh, we need to remember who God has declared us to be. Folk, we're new creations. You've been forgiven. You've been accepted. You've been given the gift of righteousness. Whoa. I'm not used to wearing these things. Do I look good? I'm not sure how I look with this thing on. I feel like I've got a hairnet or something. Why don't you turn, please, to John um, chapter 20. Let's go there. Walking by faith is not living by what you see in the natural. It's living by what you begin to perceive 
in the spirit realm. It's not walking by what you do see. It's walking by what you don't yet see. I can't remember what I said. Good point, Bill. Yeah. Now, he normally goes over to the wall, doesn't he? Um, walking by faith is not walking by what you see. It is walking by what you... Is that what I said? Come on, someone can repeat it for me. Walking by faith is walking by what you have not yet seen. Now look here at John chapter 20. This is a story of, this is one of Jesus' disciples who walked with him, who ministered with him for three and a half years, was involved even in some of the miracles that Jesus did. When when Jesus multiplied food, this guy was there carrying around a basket. Every time he looked in the basket, it was empty. Every time he put his hand in the basket, he pulled out more food. Miraculous stuff. Feeding 5,000 people. He saw Jesus walk on water. He saw all the miracles that happened. But then when Jesus was crucified, he lost all hope. And then there comes a day when Jesus has risen from the grave, and he has appeared to some of these disciples. But this poor guy wasn't there when Jesus first showed up. And so he's got a lot of doubt. You know his name, Thomas. So let's look here, verse 25, John 20, verse 25 says, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. He was wanting to see something in the natural before he would believe it as truth. We have a saying in our Western world, seeing is believing. Seeing is believing. I'm not going to believe unless I can actually see something. Well, folks, that doesn't work in our realm. The truth for us is that believing is seeing. Though the doors were locked, a week later his disciples were in the same house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. I mean, Jesus didn't walk through the door, he walked through the door. (laughs) And he says, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said, my Lord and my God. Look at what Jesus says next, verse 29. And Jesus told him, because you've seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and have yet believed. Requires faith to believe when you haven't yet seen. Do you have faith to see every one of these seats filled? Do you have faith for a new facility? 
Do you have faith? To say we believe that we can see a town in Australia where the vast majority are born again serving God. Do you believe that you could see a town that has a reputation as being totally cancer free? You see, we get locked into the natural so much and that it, it, it squeezes us into a certain way of thinking. And the way that you think ends up coming out of your mouth. What is your confession? Are we just doing our best? Actually, there's a whole lot more. I want to see God do his best. (laughs) Yeah. I can never remember what I say. I said to Robin the other day, I said, I'm going to give up actually writing notes to preach from. And I'm just going to preach and then make notes after I preach. (laughs) 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20 says this, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ, and so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Jesus is the one who makes the declaration. You and I are the ones who say, so be it. You and I are the ones who say, amen. What does that mean? Whatever is being declared from the heavens, don't try and make stuff up yourself. Listen to what is being spoken from heaven and then you echo that. That's what this is saying. Everything that God has declared, you echo What does God say? What has he said about you? You're righteous. You're my son. You're my children. You are, you are, you are culture carriers. You are atmosphere changers. That's what he's declaring over you. We say yes, even if we can't see it. Something I wanted to say, and I can't remember what it is. They're probably not in my notes yet. No, there really was. There was something important that I wanted to actually say. Identity. Identity. There's a whole teaching that's going around that says... And it, and it has started brilliantly, but it has been manipulated and I believe greatly distorted. And that's this thing of if I just name it and claim it, I get it. And it comes out of a verse that, that speaks about God um, calling things into being that are not. And we've taken that And we think then we can do the same thing. If I just say something, it's going to happen. Now, there's power in our words. 
That is very true. But our role isn't to actually try and make stuff up and say, I want this and I want that. Our job is to listen to what God is declaring. We don't have the power. This could be controversial because we've been taught certain things. We don't have that innate authority to call things into being. That's God's job. Our job is to echo what he is declaring. Our job is to say yes to what he has spoken. And that's why we have to have our ears so finely tuned to what he's declaring because we miss a whole lot of what God is saying. Go to... to, um, Go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. You know, when Jesus was arrested, when he had to stand before Pilate, when he was being whipped, flogged, when he was being beaten and spat upon, when they were nailing him to the cross, at any moment, he just could have called down a legion of angels and said, I've had enough of this. But he endured the cross for our sake. That was a powerful statement. That was a confession that changed the world. Look, look at this. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12 says, Fight the good fight of faith. Folk, my faith isn't in me. My faith is in the faithful one. I want to echo what he is declaring. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Timothy had a good confession. We can have a good confession or we can have a bad confession. You can have blessing coming out of your mouth or you can have curse. You can have life or you can have death. And Paul says, Timothy, you're a man who has a good confession. He's a young guy. He's still a young guy who is sent to a church to, to sort out some major problems. And he's under extreme pressure. And Paul writes to him and he reminds him of who he really is. Man, you're a young man, yes, but you've got a powerful confession. Don't let it go. And he reminds him of that. And then look at verse 13. It says, in the sight of God, who gives life to everything, and of Christ Jesus, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate, made the good confession. I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. What was Paul charging Timothy to do? What was he commanding him to do? What was he reminding him and urging him and stirring him to do? Keep a good confession. But he makes a point here of saying, take note of the confession of Jesus when he was before Pilate, when he was under extreme pressure. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I get a bit inquisitive. I want to know what Paul's talking about. Come on. So, so go, go to John chapter 18. We're going to have a look here. This power in confession. Romans 10 says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, God sent Jesus, you'll be saved. I'm not a universalist. I'm not an inclusionist. You may not even know what those terms mean. That doesn't matter. Don't worry about it. But, but I, think the, I think there's going to be a whole lot more people in heaven than you realise. You're going to be surprised at some of the people that you see. We, we, we just keep judging people all the time because we look in the natural and we keep looking at behavior and performance. And we judge people on that even to the point where we think whether they're going to be saved or not. And the Bible makes it so easy. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you're saved. I, I had the privilege of, uh, a couple of months ago of going into a hospital ward of a of a very elderly gent- gentleman. Uh, he's, he's, he was being anti-God his whole life. His wife is in our church. And uh, he was on his deathbed. He's in a coma uh, for about 10 days. H- hadn't come out of it. I went to visit him just to pray with him because it was looking, he, he wasn't able to eat. His organs were shutting down. Um, everything was gone. When I went in, he regained consciousness. And I was able to present the gospel to him in such a, in just a very simple way, because that's all you, that's all you can do. And, uh, the medication that he was on basically had made him almost totally deaf. And so I had to lean right down about a half an inch away from his ear and shout. So everyone else in the hospital, everyone else in that ward knew exactly what I was saying. And I was just able to take his hand and just speak the gospel to him. And he squeezed my hand. And I did it three times in a different way with different questions to make sure I know and know this guy's getting saved. And he got saved that night, that afternoon. About 3.30 that afternoon, 10 o'clock that night, he passed away. Simple belief and confession through a squeezing of my hand. And folk, he is in heaven. We're going to be surprised. The power of confession. Now look here, John 18, verse uh, uh, 36. See, what did Jesus confess before Pilate? Well, I'll tell you what, it wasn't sin. Because Jesus never sinned. Huh? Jesus didn't go into some big, long, eloquent sermon. This is all he said. Verse 18, Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate, being very sarcastic. (laughs) Jesus answered, you are right in saying I am a king. You get it. You are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason, I was born. And for this, I came into the world to testify to the truth. And that's all that Jesus said. And Paul writes to Timothy 
is under extreme pressure to sort out some major problems in that church. And he says, Timothy, I want your confession to be the same as Jesus. Recognize who God declares you to be. Jesus had no qualms about who he was. He was the son of God and he was a king. God's made you a kingdom of priests. Know who you are. And so often, see this is the key, folk. When we only see things in the natural, the declarations about yourself, your confession about yourself gets affected. And then what comes out of your mouth doesn't carry authority. When you know who you are, when you know what God has declared over you, when you know what God has declared over you as a church, and you begin to echo that which God has declared, there's an amazing authority that comes out of your mouth. Jesus is spoken of as, as John describes him as a two-edged sword coming out of his mouth. Same for you. There are words that can come out of your mouth. There are declarations that you can speak. There are confessions that can come out of your mouth that can cut through in a way that nothing else can. And Paul says, man, take note of the confession of Jesus when he stood before Pilate. He had no hesitation in declaring who he was. In the natural, it didn't look like he was a king. He'd been beaten, spat upon. The Jews thought he was a blasphemer. In the natural, it didn't look like he was a king. He hadn't established an earthly kingdom. But But the truth was something different. You know, Ted, I, I just, sheesh, man. You live in a community with elderly folk and that's no disrespect to anybody here. But we all know that we live in a world that is fallen and we all know that as we get older, our bodies start to break down. Yeah. And we keep saying that that's a natural process. And I just feel in my spirit just so strongly just to make a declaration. Folks, I believe you're going to start to see a cancer-free area. That's a big statement. I didn't make that from me. I just heard God say that. And I want to keep echoing what I'm hearing from heaven. Our biblical confession, the confession that we need to carry, is to keep declaring the truth of the word of God. The word confession comes from two Greek words. It's homo logio. It means to say the same thing. To say the same thing. Our confession is to say the same thing as God is declaring. That's a good confession. And that's what Paul was saying to Timothy. Have a good confession, man. Have a good confession. Let me ask you this. Why did, Jesus, why did God raise Jesus from the dead, from the grave? 
Why? For our justification. He was his son. He wanted him to live with him. He's part of the Godhead. God raised... There's a whole lot of reasons that God raised Jesus from the grave. But here's one I'll bet you that very few people have recognised. God raised Jesus from the grave because he was an innocent man. They had no right to kill him. He was an innocent man. Innocent blood had been shed. So God raised him because he was innocent. Even though all the sin of the world was laid upon him, he was an innocent man. Why has God raised you in Christ to declare his truth to a world that needs to hear truth. Because you are now an innocent man. See, what is the thing that closes our mouth so often? We think we don't have the right to speak. You have the right to speak. (laughs) You have the right to confess God's plans and purposes over this region. You have the right to declare Victor Harbour, Middleton, Goolwa, Port Elliot is going to be a cancer-free zone. You have the right to declare God's blessing and goodness over this town and over this region what's your confession it's a good one is it one that's drawing from the spirit realm seeing God's perspective is it one that's just eyes are down and all we can see is the natural Jay, why don't you, can you come and just stand up here with me? <laughs> Robin, come stand with her. This lady, I'm sure all of you know, is pregnant. Did I just let the cat out of the bag? I know you all know. (laughs) She, She has conceived new life. This, this lady here, who is now a grandmother, Our, our, our son and daughter-in-law had a, had a baby boy uh, five weeks ago today. And, uh, but this lady here, when she was uh, about 18, 
uh, had a ruptured appendix and um, had to have emergency surgery. And uh, the, the poison from the appendix caused um, a severe uh, peritonitis infection through her abdomen, and, uh, which the doctors didn't clean up properly, and uh, which came back and basically destroyed her whole reproductive system. And, uh, and, and she went through a whole lot of surgeries and treatments and stuff for about six, seven years. And then we heard God speak. And we heard God's declaration and God's confession that she would be a mother. And all we could do was echo what God had declared. And a miracle baby was conceived and born. And 18 months later, another one popped out. Three years later. Three years. Oh, okay. Three years later. That's what wives are for. They're, they're there to correct. They're there to correct husbands. And they just popped out. Just popped out. They weren't immaculate conceptions. I did have something to do with it. But, but I, just, I just sense that God is conceiving something new amongst you. Yeah. And that's why I felt to bring these two ladies up here. Because there is something new and there is something fresh. As things are happening in the natural, we can look at things just in the natural and we can stay in that zone. But just as in the natural, Jay is pregnant, God is conceiving something fresh and new amongst you. And there is going to be a parallel as Jay gives birth to this child. There is something new and fresh that's going to be birthed amongst you. But folk, here's the most important part of that. In the natural, a baby draws nutrient from the mother to grow and to develop. That which God has planted in you, that which he is conceiving amongst you now, You need to draw the nutrients required for that to grow and for that to develop. You don't do that in the natural. You do that by drawing from heaven and allowing that child to grow. And just as Jay gives birth in the natural, you watch what's going to happen here in a few months' time. Something fresh is going to happen. And Jesus says that the wedding at Cana. Can I have one more minute? Two minutes? Is that right? Um, no, you can stay here. You make me look better. <laughs> and Jesus is at the wedding at Cana. And uh, they'd run out of wine. We know the story. And Jesus gives the instructions to the service to go. Go and fill up those big water jars over there. And as they did, the water was turned to wine. Jesus was making a declaration of the new covenant to come. It's going to come in an abundance. It has to do with the shedding of my blood. Wine of the new spirit, of the Holy Spirit, is going to come and be poured out. But there were people there who would definitely have been offended. 
because those water jars were the ceremonial jars that were used for ceremonial cleansing. And, and at certain times of the year when the feasts were taking place, those jars uh, and, and many others like them were brought out on the sides of the street and they were lined, on the ro- lined up on the road leading up to the temple. So as people were coming up to worship and to bring their sacrifice to God, the priests were stationed at each one of those jars and they would dip their hand in and they would splash the people to cleanse them, ceremonially cleanse them as they came up to worship. And as they did that, they would make declaration over the people. They would make a confession of blessing over the people. And I, I, just, I just feel we should do something here this morning. Chad, I'd like, I wonder if, if all your leaders could come up here on the stage. Whoever you, whoever you feel. Because this is what I just feel to, just to do to finish, close off this morning. Let's come up and stand up here, guys. Does it involve wine? It could. Now, look, oh, this is just a very simple thing, folk. It's, as I said, the, the, the people would walk past and the priests would splash them with water and they would make confessions. The confessions they would make over the people were the promises that God had declared over them as a nation. And I just feel to do that this morning. There is power in our words. There's power in a confession. And what I want these leaders to do is to actually make confession over you as a people. The confessions that God has already declared. Who's sick in this place? You need physical healing. Stand up. Because we're going to make a confession this morning over you. We are not speaking hopeful words. We're not speaking dead words that have, that don't carry any authority. We are speaking what God has already declared over you. Do we have a mic that you guys can use? You're just going to go ahead. Why don't you reach your hands out towards these folk? We can all be involved in this. That's everyone put your hands. Come on, use this. All involved. Just begin to make declarations, folk. Let's go, guys. Just begin to declare. Shout it out. Shout it out. Complete restoration, complete wholeness. Life, liberty, transformation, regeneration, strength, 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 strength. Fullness, fullness, completeness. Beyond what was before, better than before, greater than before. Thank you, Jesus. Recreation, renewal, regeneration, refreshing. Thank you, Jesus. Relief, relief. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. By your stripes, 
by your stripes we are healed. We are healed. We are healed. We are healed. Power, strength coming in to your body in the name of Jesus. He makes you whole. He makes you whole. We declare wholeness. We declare wholeness right now in the name of Jesus. Wholeness, 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 wholeness. Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, the power of his name. Jesus' name, wholeness, 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 strength, in Jesus' name. Jesus' name, Jesus' name, Jesus' name. name. Who needs financial breakthrough? Financial breakthrough, you're under financial pressure. You need something to change. You need either a change of job, a raise, you need a job, whatever it is, just stand up. God declares you're the head and not the tail. You're the head and not the tail. You're the head and not the tail. Financial pressure is not there. It does not have the authority to control your life. And so we declare freedom, prosperity right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God doesn't just own the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns all the cattle on every hill. And so we speak a release of finance right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Who's been struggling with with thoughts? Thoughts that just come and plague you. You've been been struggling with, with almost like it's been a depressive heaviness. That comes upon you. Stand up quickly. We declare the word of God. That as a born again believer. As a new creation. You have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. To take captive every thought. Every thought that stands, that tries to establish itself as a stronghold in your thinking right now. Everything that stands against the knowledge of Jesus in you. Not Jesus far away, the reality of Christ in you. This morning, right now, we declare the mind of Christ over you. Wholeness, 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 wholeness. Wholeness now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. I hope you've enjoyed today's message. Remember to check us out at baysidechurch.org.au. And of course, if you're ever in the area, please pop in and say good day. Bye.